بسم الله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين شهر لا إله إلا الله وأشهر محمد نبيه ورسوله ما بعد. You're listening to Islam Always, and we're always broadcasting 24 hours a day, seven days a week, round the clock, always open, and always plenty of free parking. IslamAlways.com. I S L A M A L W A Y S. dot com. My name is Yusuf Estes. I'm the National Muslim Chaplain for the United States of America. I got that fixed today. I don't say it anymore. <laughs> and we're here today in Queen Mary's University, is it? And we're in UK, United Kingdom, which used to be called BK, British Kingdom, and now it used to be called. What else? Yeah. England. At one time it was called England. Before that it was called Anglin. Uh, the Saxons used to have this place a long time ago. They got invaded by the Normans in 1066 AD. That's when they came up with English language. And uh, I'm glad they did because otherwise I wouldn't even understand what I'm saying right now. But uh, <laughs> our topic today, we're going to talk about the message of Christ. And this is the Arsala of Isa, Messiah Isa ibn Maryam, for those of you who know Arabia. So this is giving you a translation, and I'm going to go step by step with what I do so that you understand this Arsala of Isa alayhisalam fil kitab in the book. Some words I need to translate for you before I get started though. So we'll be on the same page. First word, Allah. The word Allah does not mean God. The word Ilah in Arabic means God. Anything worshipped, anything that is uh, sacrificed to or obeyed or supplicated to etc. is a God. And when you say a God in English and translate that to Arabic, you say al-ilah. When you say gods, you say in Arabic aliha. And you can say al-aliha, which means the gods. But when you say Allah, you can't translate it to English because there's no word in English for Allah. There is in some other languages, but not in English. English is deficient. Because it doesn't provide for a number of words that we have in the Semitic uh, languages, such as Hebrew and Aramaic, the language of Jesus. Some of you perhaps saw Passion of Christ that was in the Aramaic language and then the Arabic language, which is the language of Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him, and all of his predecessors back to Ismail or Ismail as it's known in Arabic. So the word Allah doesn't have a meaning in English. You have to give the whole scenario of the thing so people can understand it. The word Allah, it comes from the same root, Elah. And when you want to make this in English, the best you can do is take the word God, which you do have, and then you put a big G in front of it. Well, that works on paper, literally, that, that would be fine, except that when you're speaking to somebody, they wouldn't know. 
Because it's hard to see a big G unless you like jump up every time you say, you know, go like that. And then I get the idea that you mean something different. Also, when you start a sentence in the English language according to the gram- uh, grammatical rules, you must always start with a capital letter. Therefore, I wouldn't know if you meant God as in any old God or God as in Allah. So it's better to use the word Allah. And that is what is used by Arab Jews and Arab Christians throughout the world. So if you want to know how to say big G-O-D in the Arabic language, it's Allah. So you can make yourself better understood. You can use that without fear of compromising your Christianity or compromising your Judaism or anything else. You'll be okay. I don't think Allah is going to punish you. But, so that you know the meaning of it. Next is the word Islam. Islam does not mean peace. The word in Arabic for peace is Salam. And in the Hebrew, it's Shalom. And if you say it in Hebrew, you say Shalom Aleikum. And if you say it in, in, in Arabic, it's Salam Aleikum. And how many of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about? Be honest. Everybody knows. Okay, cool. Very good. Everybody here speaks some Semitic language or else. But peace be upon you. Yeah. Everybody knows it, huh? But you knew what I was talking about. Cool. You you might be surprised. You might know a lot more than you think you do. Usually, I found... You know what I found out about myself? I don't know if it's true for everybody. I found out when I'm... Uh, learning something, I feel like I'm, I don't know anything as I'm learning. But the minute I start thinking I know everything is when I'm not learning anymore. So I don't know if that's true for everybody. But I'm going to now talk about this word message. In Arabic, arsala. To deliver a message, you become a rasul because a rasul gives arsala. And in English, we say messenger, and you may be familiar with another term, apostle and epistle. An epistle is a letter, literally it just means a letter, and an apostle is one who delivers it. And to be real clear on it, it means message, not just like an email or something like that. It means actual message. So, that was pretty easy. Christ. Next word I want to talk about. Christ. Christ is Kone Greek. It's a translation of a word from Hebrew or Aramaic. Christ is not even Kone Greek. It's a diminutive of it. You have to knock off some letters because it was actually Christos. Now, in English, when you hear a s, an S sound after something, usually you consider it to be plural. But that's not true in Kone Greek. The Greek and even the Latin. A lot of the stuff in Latin like Marcus Aurelius. You hear those S's? That's one guy. It's not two or three or six. Christos. They knock off the O-S, Christ or Christ. And Biblios. Knock off the O-S, Bible, which we pronounce Bible today. It comes from, again, this Kone Greek. By the way, Bible is the word for book. Literally, that's all it means. Just book, nothing more. In Arabic... Kitab is book, and in Arabic and Hebrew, the word for Christ. Anybody know? 
You might know and you didn't think you did. Messiah. And actually that's mispronounced too. It's Messihi. Messiah or Messihi. It comes from the root mess. Semitic word mess. Means to wipe. Literally wipe. It has a specific connotation when it's referred to in the Hebrew for the Torah. Because it's talking here about a ceremony which takes place when they install the royalty, the king, to his position. It's called the anointing. And this anointing was done with anointing oil, which was made from zaytun. How many of you know what zaytun? Olives. Olives. Nice big word though, zaytun, for those cool little things. By the way, don't ever eat olives off of a tree. Don't ever do that. You know why? It's not because the farmer is going to shoot you. Because olives need time. And if you pluck them off the tree, that's bad news. Anybody ever do that? (laughs) Bad news. Don't eat olives off the tree. That's my advice for the day. (laughs) By the way, if you have fun in this program, it's okay. It's allowed. Messiah or Messiah. It's up to you how you want to say it. But it means that somebody is anointed to a position that used to take the oil of the olives and put their fingers in it and anoint the forehead. And that's, see the motion that I'm doing now? I'm wiping my fingers across my forehead. That's mes, mes. And he's called Messiah. Messiah. Now, the Messiah that is anticipated, prophesied, and looked for in the Old Testament is very clearly, without doubt, for the Christian, Jesus the Christ. And for the Muslim, it's the same. Jesus the Christ. Jesus, by the way, is another word that has to, you have to know it. Didn't This is not original. This is not what he called himself. Because it could be either the sound of the Arabic or the yes sound of the Hebrew. Yeshua or Isa. Either way you go, this is the same person. But Jesus is Latinizing it. Like my name, Joseph, actually is Yusuf in the Semitic languages, both Hebrew and Arabic. And I'm guessing it's the same in Aramaic, but I didn't check that one out. Now the message, what is the message of Christ? And because I'm Muslim and because I'm holding the Quran here, I'm going to tell you what it says here. There is a chapter of the Quran that deals with the subject that when I was a Christian preacher I used to think about a lot and didn't really know exactly more than what I read in the Bible anyway, but I wondered about is the Last Supper. Have you heard of the Last Supper? It's an amazing thing which is described in the Quran about the Last Supper. And I'm just going to refer to it because when I come to the specific verses, I'm just going to be talking about Jesus and His message, peace be upon Him. But according to Islam, according to the Quran and to the teachings of Muhammad, the Last Supper took place It was an event that came about as a result of the request of the companions of Jesus. 
his followers, disciples, as we call them in English. Al-Harwariyin is what they're called in Arabic in the Quran. They wanted, they wanted to see a sign. And so, this came about as a result of their request. It's in Surah Al-Mayadah. And Al-Mayadah means the table which is spread out. It's talking about the Last Supper. That's, how many, how many of you didn't know that? Muslims didn't know that. That's, that's where it came from. So this is a story here about that table. Now, some of you probably thought because the chapter starts talking about meat that you can eat, foods that you can't eat, and so on, you probably thought it took its name from your table spread out with halal or haram food, right? Well, it's not. It's coming from these verses talking about this subject. But that is applicable, and Allah knows best, the fact that we shouldn't eat certain things. And I'm going to go now to verse, that's chapter 5 if you go by the numbers like I do. I'm going to go verse 111. And when I, this is Allah speaking now in the first person. And by the way, if you hear I and Allah is talking about himself, that is singular. But sometime in the Quran you hear we and you hear our and you hear us. And you say, why is Allah plural? It's not plural. That's the royal we, like when the king or the queen make a declaration of any kind. They say, we decree the following, but it's just one person. So it's a royal we. Additionally, you, you might like to know that uh, whenever this word Allah appears, it cannot be made male or female. There's no gender associated with it. When it says he, it's referring to Allah and His Majesty. Instead of saying it, he doesn't call himself it, and we shouldn't either. But we don't... Imagine that Allah is like a human being, you know, with all the things that go along with being a male, as opposed to being a female, etc. Verse 111. And when I, Allah, put in the hearts of Al-Hawari'in, which is the disciples of Isa, which is Jesus, to believe in me and my messenger, means he's talking about Jesus now, the Rasul. They said, we believe and bear witness that we are Muslims. Now this one, definitely, I don't want to leave this before I make some clarification. Because in the Arabic language, Muslimun. So in Arabic it says Muslimun. It's translated as Muslims. Because remember I told you, in English, anytime you hear after something, it's usually a plural. But in Arabic, when you uh, make plural, you, you widen the word out. Like masjid becomes masajid, or mosque, mosques. And in this case, it says muslimun. And it carries the meaning of those who submit to God's will in peace. Because it comes from the word Islam. Islam means... Surrender, submission, obedience, sincerity, and peace. All of that's in the word Islam. So here they're saying that they are those who are surrendering to God on His terms. Lest you misunderstand and think that that's talking about that they are Muslim in the sense that you know Muslims today and and uh, what you might read in the newspaper or something like that. They're not saying that they're from Iraq or something, okay? They are Muslim in the sense that they are doing what God wants them to do, submitting to God. It's an Arabic term. 
And by the way, you can't capitalize anything in Arabic like you can in English. There's no capital letters in Semitic languages. Next verse. And remember when Al-Hawari'in, the disciples said, O Isa, this is Jesus, Ibn Maryam, son of Mary, can your Lord send down to us a table spread with food from heaven? Isa, Jesus says, talk Allah, fear Allah, if you are indeed believers. And in Arabic, Kala, he said, Taqallaha in kuntum mu'minu. Uh, and mu'min is from the word iman, those who have faith, if you are those of faith. Next verse, 113. They said, we want to eat from it and be stronger in our iman, faith. And to know that you have indeed told us the truth and that we ourselves be witness to it. Yeah, they're telling Jesus this. So Isa, Jesus, this is verse 114, Isa, son of Miriam, says, he calls on Allah, Allahumma. Allahumma in Arabic. I'm reading Arabic. Allahumma is the same as Hebrew, Allahimma. Elohim, Elohim. Means calling on God. It sounds like plural, and it does sound like it in Arabic as well as Hebrew, but again, it's the royal, so it's not plural. For the benefit of those who try to make this sound like it's part of the Trinity, lots of luck. It does not grammatically correct. Okay. Rabbana, which means our Lord. Send us from heaven a table spread with food. This is Almayada. That there will be for us, for the first and the last of us, a festival and a sign from you. And provide us with sustenance, for you are the best of those who sustain. Allah is the sustainer. Number 115. And Allah said, I'm going to send it down to you, but then if any of you after that disbelieves... I will punish him with a torment such as I have not inflicted on anyone among all of the mankind and jinn. The alameen. Alameen is plural because it means jinn and men. It's time now to break this up a little bit for you. It's known in the Quran that there is a creation that God made, Allah made, before he made Adam, before he made human beings. He made something called jinn. The jinn existed before humans. And they had free will to do what they wanted to do. Free choice is a better way to say it. They had a free choice to choose to do what they wanted to do, to obey or disobey their Lord. And Iblis, Lucifer, the devil, Diablo as he called in Spanish, he is from the jinn, not from the angels. Angels could never have done what he did. Angels never disobey their Lord. That's why they're angels. But he was no angel. <laughs> Far from it. He was ordered by Allah, by God, to bow down on the occasion of the creation of Adam. 
because Allah said that the best of his creation is mankind and especially Adam and he ordered all creation to bow down. This is in Surah 7, Al-Araf of the Quran and it talks about this in more detail. It's not our subject but I want you to know who are the jinn. The jinn are understood by us immediately as Muslims to be where the demons come from. Those that are mentioned in the New Testament, those are referred to in Old Testament, the demons, those that you're not able to see, yet they can enter into somebody. Because there's one, and the Bible is very clear, about a man who had legions inside of him. Legions of demons. Where did they come from? And it's very clear because they're from the jinn. You know a human can't jump inside of another human, but the jinn can do that. These are the only two creations that have choice. So that means for us today, when we see... Um, these strange things that take place, these sightings, UFOs, ghosts, spirits, weird things, and that that goes in the night. You know, you don't know the poetry that it goes bump in the night. Anyway, that doesn't matter. <laughs> the thing is that we as Muslims know there really is something. It's not a joke, and we don't play with it. And we have a whole chapter in the Quran that I would love for you to refer to when you get a chance. Chapter number 72, called J-I-N-N, the jinn. Because you can learn about them. They're made from a smokeless fire. You don't see them. But you don't see angels either because they're made from light. But don't confuse the two. An angel could never disobey Almighty God, Allah. But the jinn have free will. And so, we'll come back to our main topic that we're talking about. And so, Allah has said this to them, that He's going to send it down, but if they disbelieve after this, He's going to punish them with a torment, such as He's never given out to jinn or mankind before, which immediately tells us that Allah has punished the jinn as well as mankind. And some of you have read the Quran and you know the punishments that have come when Allah has caused earthquakes and He's caused volcanoes to destroy the people of Pompeii, things like this. And he's talking about that here. So he was actually threatening the disciples of Christ at that time that if they didn't believe after he did this, then... And you've got to stop and think about it. If you actually saw a table come down out of heaven with food on it already that you could eat, and then you said, eh, but that's not enough proof. <laughs> that's not... Especially that's what you ask for. So, anyway. And then, next verse, 116. In chapter 5. And remember when Allah will say, and this is talking about in the future, it doesn't ask you to recall the past. This is an Arabic phrase. It's asking you to consider the future when it says, and remember, okay? That Allah will say on the day of resurrection, Ya Isa, O Jesus, Ibn Maryam, son of Mary, did you tell mankind, the men, means men and women here, in Arabic, this carries that meaning of men and women. Worship me and my mother as two gods beside Allah? And he will say, this is Jesus going to say, Subhanak. Now, this translation said glory. There's no word in English for Subhan. There isn't. But I saw something here at your university today that surprised me. I went back and did a double take. Because on the bottom of one of your slogans here on the wall, it says it, and it says, The honor and glory be only to God. 
to God be to God only be the glory and honor. I think that's where it was. But the word glory there is this you're trying to say this that the majesty of God, his uniqueness, his greatness, and his praiseworthiness above all things, all of this is part of subhanallah. So when somebody says subhanallah, it's like like amazing is wonderful and great is Allah above all things. So we don't have it in English, but it also means that uh, he is clearly uh, subhanallah. <laughs> That's all I can do. I have to quit on that. Just keep going. It says subhanallah. This is Jesus speaking to um, Allah. He's answering him. It was not for me to say something I, ha- I don't have the right to say. And if I said such a thing, you would know it because you know what's in my inner self, but I don't know what's inside of you. Truly, you only are all-knower of all that is hidden and all that is uh, obvious. Verse 117 continues. He says, Never did I say to them anything except what you have commanded me to say. And then he quotes, Worship Allah, my Lord and your Lord. Now, for those who would like to find a reference in the English translation of the Bible, there is reference exactly to this when Jesus said, Worship my God and your God, my Lord and your Lord. And, of course, there's no word in English for Allah, so there you are. There's a, a direct quote. And I was witness over them while I dwelt amongst them. But when you took me up, you were the watcher over them, and you are witness to all things. Now there's a note in here. The translator put a note. Okay, this is not the Quran, but I'm going to read you his note because he wants us to read it, otherwise he wouldn't put it there. He said, this is a great admonition and a warning to the Christians of the whole world. The reason that the translator puts notes like this is not to turn Christians off or make them angry, but rather to show them how close, how close that the teaching of the Quran is to some of what is still remaining of the Holy Bible. Kitab al And it's interesting because an admonition here would be to somebody, you give admonition to somebody you care about. You give admonition to somebody that you think will listen to you. You give admonition to a person whom you consider that it's worthy of your time to speak to. But you don't waste your time on somebody that's a unbeliever or an infidel or some of the other terms that are being used today in English. So, yeah, this is thought I'd mention that. Next verse, 118. If you punish them, now this is Jesus again talking to Allah and he's speaking about those people after him who said these things about worshiping Jesus or his mother. If you punish them, then they are your slaves. And if you forgive them, for sure you, only you, are almighty, the all-wise. It's interesting, Muslims take note of this. Because ordinarily, whenever a prophet speaks to Allah, he uses the term or reference in the Quran to Allah subhanahu wa On a subject like this, it will say that you are a Rahman or Rahim. 
or Gurfurrahim, the forgiver, the merciful, the beneficent, the merciful, in terms like this. This is talking about Allah's qualities. But all of a sudden here we don't see that. We don't see any of Allah's mercy being mentioned here or His forgiveness. It didn't say that. It says, if you forgive them, then you only are the Almighty and the All-Wise. So you see that He is not even asking that. He's just saying it's up to you to do it. There's no supplication on His end for those who are disbelievers. Now, general group again. Some of you may not understand what I just said, but we have a lot of stuff on our internet website about this, and you can get up there. Verse 119. Allah will say, and this is talking about in the future now, we're going back to what was going to happen, day of judgment. This is a day on which the truthful will benefit from their truth. And theirs are, will be gardens reward for them. Gardens underneath which rivers flow in paradise. They will live therein forever. And Allah is pleased with them and they're pleased with Him. And that is the great success. 120, next verse. To Allah belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth and all that is in between. And He is able to do whatever He wills to do. Now, in this translation it says, He's able to do all things. But that's not what it says in Arabic. It says, فَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ Now you might say, well, wait a minute, hold on. That's what it says. فَهُوَ So He is. Allahu ala kulli shaykhadir. Allah is capable of doing anything, right? No. Qadir is He's having the power, the ability without doubt. There's no doubt He can do it. Shayin, he can do anything? Not exactly. It means he can do anything he wants to do. Anything that he desires to do. Anything that he would will to do, he will do. And there's no doubt about it. And you might wonder, well, what's the difference? The difference is there are a lot of things that Allah never does. For instance, the most clear of all would be the obvious. If you could do anything, watch this. It's playing with words, but think about it. If you could do anything, stop being you. How could you stop being you? Huh? You can't. You may say, well, somebody committed suicide. No, they're still them wherever they went after that. They're still themselves, aren't they? So Allah never does anything which is illogical or against his own nature of being Allah, the one and only God. What are some of the things that we would know about God that would make sense? Well, God is alive. He's eternal. He has no beginning and no end. He is not created, but He's the Creator. Now, those that don't believe in God at all, you don't need to get in discussion. This is just, uh, you know, a mental exercise for you if you want to play the game. But those of you who really believe there's a God of some kind, it's worth it to consider what's being said here. Because if you understand that He is really eternal, then one of the things you know for sure 
He's not going to die. God is God. And if you're eternal, then you don't have an end. And if you're alive, you're not dead. It may not be clear to some because they haven't really thought of it, didn't realize it, but this word for God in the Old Testament, even in English, I'm talking about in English, it's still in English today. Maybe some of you know about this. When it's talking about Yahweh. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yahweh. Yes, also uh, in English we call it Jehovah. Exactly. You're not Jewish. Are you Jewish? Not in so. You're supposed to have a little white thing on your Okay. Or it can be black. Anyhow, <laughs> Jehovah is again a mispronunciation in English. Yahweh. And if you find it, they don't have any consonants. I mean, any. they have consonants. There are no vowels in the Semitic languages. This is true for Arabic. This is true also for Hebrew. And it's also true for the Aramaic. It's left up to the person who's trying to read it on, on paper to try to figure out what it is. And the easiest one for me to explain for Muslims, or, and not, by the way, all Muslims know some Arabic. But not all Arabs are Muslims. Just make this clear so you can understand that. When we say in the Quran, the end of the Quran, uh, Surah Fatiha, the, the first chapter, the very end of it, Suratul Ladina Namta Alehum, Ghairil Magdubi Alehum, what a darling. Anything wrong? Huh? Can't hear you. I got a mic and you don't. Huh? Alehim or Alehum? How many of you think it's Alehim? Raise your hand. How many of you know that it could also be Alehum? You know Arabic. Good. You're right. Because unless you put the diacritical mark on there, could be either way. Could be either way. When you put the ha, that's the one that looks like figure eight because it's in the middle of a word. Or it can put that little thing comes down with this. Anyhow, different ways to write it. And there's different ways to pronounce it. If you don't put a diacritical mark, you can put a fata over it and it becomes alehum. But that doesn't work because there's no word like that. It's either alehum or alehim. Now, what's the difference in the meaning? Nothing. This is the difference between saying those and those, or these and these. Not even the difference, like in English, we say these and those, meaning this might be closer than those. But in Arabic, alehum and alehim is the same thing. Okay. Now, yahawa. Yahawa. Ya al-hay. Ya al-hay. What am I doing? What am I saying? Ya al-hay. Ya al-hay. Yahawa. Ya al-hay. It's calling on the living God. That's Allah's name, al-hay. And I'm calling on the living God. If if I look to the Strong's Concordance of the Old Testament and I take the word Jehovah and I look it up, I'm going to find out what. It says, this is an expression for calling on the living God. 
So, no argument. That's what it is. So have something real similar. Now, if you said God could die, then he's not the living God anymore. And if God is the truth, and we know this from the Bible, uh, the Old Testament, and also from the Quran. That's his name, Al-Haq. He's Al-Haq. Absolute truth. This also means he would never lie. Would God lie? No, it doesn't make sense. That's actually not even, forget about which religion, no religion wants to talk about their God's going to lie to you. Except the old, you know, like Roman gods and, and Greek gods, mythology. Yeah, they would lie. They'd do anything. Some of those stories that they have in mythology read like soap operas. Have you ever read any of them? Huh? In fact, you know, maybe that's where they got some ideas for soap operas. Some of the stuff those guys are doing. But for us as Muslims, we're going to say that God isn't going to contradict his existence by being Something other than God. His names, his 99 attributes, Ismail was a father, which we know about. These are epitome of those things. The ultimate. He is a Rahman. He is all merciful. A Rahim. Most merciful. We don't have another word in English. I'm just trying to come up with something. But it's from the same root. Now, this root, Rahama, from this word, is a fantastic, fantastic root because this is so much mercy. So beautiful is this root. And Allah uses this word in the Quran in Arabic to describe the place you were first conceived where you were developed. You were born in a place of mercy. You were actually conceived and developed yourself inside of this place, inside your mother. In English it's called womb. But we don't pronounce the book. It's called womb. doesn't have a very nice English word. I don't think it sounds great. But in Arabic, it has a meaning. Because you come from the raham of your mother. The place of mercy. The mercy seat. You're born in your mother's mercy. It's put there by who? Rahman. Raham. Arham is the plural of raham. The wombs. It's mentioned in the Quran. Don't sever the ties of kinship. But actually in Arabic it says, don't break the ties of the womb or the raham or arham. Okay. We have been talking now on the subject of the message, message of Christ or the arsala of Isa Rasulullah, the messenger of of. Uh, I've read to you from the end of Surah Al-Mayada, chapter 5. But I want to share with you that there's a number of other really interesting places in the Quran that you might like to refer to, to read more about what Muslims believe about Jesus. From the Quran. So, look in Surah Al-Mariam. I'm not going to give you all of it today. This is supposed to be just a little brief thing. But read chapter 19 of the Quran. Surah Al-Mariam. I want, I want you to know that there's another interesting thing that I found very impressive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really was bragging on one human being so much. 
He bragged on her. It's a woman. People say that Islam is tough on women. I don't know, but I wish you'd look at this. Allah really was bragging on Maryam a lot in the Quran. He loves her so much. He said she's the best woman he ever created. Who said it? Allah. Not only that, but he wanted to give her some exclusivity. So much so that when he referred to all the other women throughout the entire Quran, he called them by the... So you'll recognize, you know who they are, because she's the mother of so-and-so, the daughter of so-and-so, she's the sister of so-and-so, the wife of so-and-so, even gave their titles, so you will know who they are. But he didn't let anybody have their exact name, that was their, you know, their birth name that you get when you're born. He didn't give that uh, to any other woman except Miriam. Throughout the Quran, every time you see Miriam, 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 remember, he didn't say that about anybody else. She's named at least five, six, seven times more than Muhammad is mentioned in Quran is Miriam. And with such honor and respect, Miriam, the mother of the Messiah. Look at that. There's a lot of respect for her. And of course, a lot of respect for Jesus. Peace be upon him. Oh, and by the way, this is uh, another point that the chapter itself is called Surtul Miriam, number 19 in the Quran. If you read it, you'll find what's the creation of Miriam in the first place. And Allah talks about her in the nicest way. But our subject isn't really Mary. I wish it was because I, li- I like to talk about her. I named one of my daughters Miriam too. But we'll come to Isa, Jesus. Now, his conception, and I'm only going to briefly touch on it again because I'll start talking about Miriam again. But uh, his conception was that the angel appears to her and tells her she's going to have a baby. And she says, how is this possible? No man has ever touched me. He said, even so, for Allah, this is easy because he merely says, be and it is. Kun fayakun. And so this is the beginning of Jesus. When she delivers the baby, then she's worried, now what I'm going to say to my people? And Allah tells her, through his messenger Gabriel, to just, if anybody asks you anything today, just give them signal to them that you're fasting. You're fasting from speech, because in Arabic, some can be fasting of food, drink, or speech. It's a powerful language. I don't know if you know computer language. Uh, it's not doesn't even compare to the Arabic. Arabic is stronger. The Semitic language is very, very powerful. Now, how can she communicate with the people? She's fasting. It says, and then what? The people came to her and they said, Mary, you're from such a ro- royal family, an outstanding family, such a good bunch of people. They are very chaste and very, never did anything adulterous. How in the world are you coming up with a baby? Because you know, she's got a brand new baby there. And she's very young. By the way, some have estimated her age at anywhere from 13 to 16 years old. She's very young. And according to some of the scholars, uh, she's in, uh, a young teen. Now, here's this young girl with this baby. And she pointed to the baby. And they said, how are we going to speak to a baby in a cradle? And how is he going to speak to us? And then Allah talks about it in the Quran. And it's in the same chapter, Surah Miriam. 
that Jesus speaks from the cradle and tells them that peace be upon me the day that I'm born and peace be upon me the day that I die and peace be upon me when I'm resurrected and he lets them know that he is the Messiah. Basically, I'm going to skip to that real quick because a lot of people might think Muslims don't believe that. But it's real clear that he is letting us know. I'm talking about Allah. is letting us know in his book that the miracle birth of Jesus is a part of the belief of the Muslims. But understand and I'm going to go now to verse 34 in chapter 19 and read it to you. Such is Jesus, Isa, the son of Miriam, a statement of truth about which they doubt or they dispute. It does not benefit the majesty of Almighty Allah that he should beget a son. And this refers to the accusation that they said that God is the father of Jesus and he is glorified and exalted above all things that they want to associate with him. I'm translating the word supana again here. When he decrees anything, he just says be and it is. And Jesus said, and verily Allah is my Lord and your Lord. The same statement we heard in Surah Al-Ma'idah. So worship him alone. That is the straight path. Now, that's the message. What is the message? Worship my Lord and your Lord alone. That's the straight path. Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him, was asked for a dissertation. Tell us things about the deen way of life as a Muslim that only you could tell us. I ended the khutbah Juma just a few minutes ago with these same words. And he said, Kula mantabillah thumastaqeen. That's it. That's everything you need to know. For them, anyway, because that's all he said. I have already spoken probably what? Uh, according to this, I've been talking here for 40-something minutes. Amazing. And the Prophet ﷺ said it in a few seconds. Meaning, say I put everything into the trust of Almighty Allah. And then be steadfast in what you said. That's the message. Clarification. La ilaha illallah. This is the Arabic statement we find throughout the Quran. It means there is no deity worthy to worship except Allah. Who rejects such a message as that? Who would reject the message that said worship God alone? With no partners. Who would reject the idea of giving their devotion, their love, affection, praise, and thanksgiving to the Lord above that created them? Who would reject that? Only somebody who really was not worthy 
of receiving the guidance. Is that true? This again was kind of going back to what I said in the Juma Khutbah today. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God Almighty, He's the only creator, the only sustainer, the only one who really deserves this treatment, this respect, honor, and dignity. You didn't create yourself, and you can't create anything. Oh, you can change it. You can do a lot to change things. We're doing stuff like that every day. You can't really create out of nothing, and He can. And He created you and I. He gave us hearing. He gave us eyes. He gave us a brain. He gave us the ability to think and even to communicate with other people. He gave us a lot. So how would it be if we never say thank you? Or worse, how would it be if we said thank you to something other than Him? How would it be if you sent your praises and your thanksgiving and all your affection and devotion to something that cannot benefit you or help you or harm you Either one. Now I want to talk about this message in detail here from a negative aspect because it says la. La is the first word. La means no in Arabic. La. You can learn that word real fast, by the way. Just go to any Arab's home when they have little children around. La. 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 La! They're saying, no, no, no. That's what you say to kids in all languages. No, 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 no. It's the first word, la. The second word is ilaha. Ilaha, we already talked about. It means a god, a deity, something worshipped. La ilaha. Illa. Allah. Again, some of you just came in, maybe didn't hear the first part of it when I talked about the word Allah. The word Allah is not something new. The word God is new. The word God is brand new. There was no word God until there was English. Yes? When did the English come? We talked about that at the very beginning. When English came? 1066 AD. When the Normans invaded the Saxons. Then they replaced their language with the Anglican language. English. And that's where the Anglican Church of England comes from. It was cute because I met a young lady last night, real sweetheart, she's a very, very sweet Christian girl, come up to us. She's from Africa. She had her hair back, you know, in those cornrows, it's real cute like this, and we were talking. And I asked her her religion. She said, I'm Anglican. And I said, I don't think so. She said, yeah, I'm Anglican. I said, how? She said, you know, Church of England. I said, Anglican. Do you know where it comes from? Do you have a clue? No. Anglo. Are you an Anglo? I am. It's a race. She said, really? I didn't know that. So, I knew what she meant, though. She meant she followed the, the, that church, which is okay. But it's nice to know where stuff comes from so you can understand it better. And when we say Allah, are we saying something new that was just made up in the desert by somebody uh, 1,400 years ago? Nah. Proof? Nah, it's easy to prove. All you got to do is look at the Bible. The, the Bible came before Muhammad, yes or no? Yes or no? Yeah. Was it in Arabic before he ever came? Yeah, duh, hello. 
all of Egypt, almost the whole entire area of Egypt and Sudan at that time was Christian. And it's mentioned even in the traditions of Muhammad when he speaks about the Christians in the Sudan and in Egypt. By the way, Egypt used to be one, one country. You know, in fact, a lot of the world used to be one huge thing until the British came in and helped them divide it up into little pieces. But Sudan and Egypt were one. And they were almost all Christian. Before Muhammad. And what language are they speaking? And if they have a Bible, what, what language is it going to be in? And if you speak Arabic, what does it say? And I have some Arabic Bibles today, just in case you doubt what I'm telling you. Page 1, Genesis, in Arabic. What the young lady put on the board right up there. I put it real big so you could see it. Alif is the first letter. You start with the right and go to the left. That stick you see is called Alif, right? Then the next one's called Lamb. And the next one's called Lamb. And the last one's called... Ha, ha, ha. Ha, it's called Ha. Right. Okay, Allah. I saw that exact picture that you're looking right there. Maybe not as cute, curly cues as I did, but I saw this 17 times on page 1 in the book of Genesis. 17 times. Page 1. So for a Jew who is from Arab descent, reads Arabic, that's his book. 17 times. Now you might say, well, what about Arab Christians? Are there Arab Christians in the world, yes or no? Are you sure? Do we have any with us today? Any Arab Christians? No? Well, I wish we would have them because I like it when they try to play the game of, oh, that's not, I said, well, excuse me, it's in your book. Oops. <laughs> but just to be sure, I want you to be able to prove everything to yourself. This is where you have the most fun when you go home and make these recipes at home, okay? And if there's anything dangerous, I'll tell you not to mix these ingredients, okay? But this one's real easy to prove. Any hotel or motel on this planet, including in India, where I went to India, where everybody is either a Muslim or Hindu, okay? That's the two religions in India. Yet, when I went to the hotel, I opened the drawer beside the bed, and what do you think is laying right there? Placed courtesy of the Gideon Society, a Bible. Free. And you can take it. I got a whole collection. <laughs> Open it up. A couple pages. You're going to see how proud they are that they placed it. And I'm proud of them too. I wish we would work that hard. They did a good job. Open it up. And they will tell you also they're proud of the fact they translated the Bible into so many languages from the English. And they give you example. First one they give you example of is what? Afrikaans language, which if you read it, you're going to say it looks like German. Well, that's kind of Dutch because that's, that's the Dutch uh, control of South Africa, the Afrikaans. The second one is Arabia, Arabic. And the quote that they have from the Bible is from John 3.16. Anybody know John 3.16? Who knows John 3.16? Who? Not Muslims, no fair. Non-Muslim. Any non-Muslim knows John 3.16. Good grief. You're not Muslim, are you? Okay, fair. Then you can tell us. What does it say? Nope, sorry. Eh, wrong answer. 
I'm sorry, you'll have to... No, no, anyway. Should have phoned a friend. <laughs> okay, would, any other non-Muslim? Non, are you not Muslim? Okay. Okay, give me the first part because I couldn't hear you. For God, that's what I wanted right there. Very good. The translation that I have, it says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's one of the first things you do, is memorize that before you take your Bible out on the street corner and tell everybody they're going to hell. Okay. Best verse to grab up and jump out here as a Bible thumper, and that's the one that everybody goes for. But, um, first word is all I really wanted was God. The word God is what they translated into Arabic as, guess what? Allah. So that's meaning that all of those Bibles all over the earth and all the hotels and motels are claiming that the word for God in Arabic, big G, is Allah. That's it. That ends that doubt if you have it. So but now we got La ilaha. There is no Ilah, Illa, which means with the exception of Allah. There isn't anything worthy to worship except Allah. Who here doesn't agree with that? You don't agree with that? Raise your hand. You don't agree with that? You don't agree that the only one to worship is God? Who should be worshipped along with Him? You don't know why you don't... Di- you you want to disagree, but you don't know why. You just don't like me. Is that it? It's something I said, right? It's because I'm from Texas, huh? No, actually, what I'm saying is... And this is the reason to have a program like this. It's so that we can understand terms and words. Do you believe there's a God? Yes or no? Pretty sure or positive? Positive. Okay, good. Now, the human being has a relationship with God according to what you know, yes or no? Okay. Should it be that the human being does got what God wants them to do or what they want to do? Okay. Now, uh, I don't know if you're Christian because I didn't ask you, but uh, have you read the New Testament? No. Have you heard parts of it read? There are two Gospels in the New Testament that have something which is is called the Lord's Prayer by preachers, although it doesn't say that in the in the text. We call it the Lord's Prayer, wherein Jesus tells them how to pray to the Father. Well, Muslims would say to Allah, but that which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you heard that? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from all evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever prayed it? You said I mean to it? Well, that's the same thing. There isn't any difference except our Father. 
That part, Muslim can't deal with that because we don't call God our father because we make God something better than a father. A father is only a half-loaded deal anyway. Because what about the mother? But for us, Allah is not male or female. He's better than mother or father or both together even. He is your creator. So we could say our creator, we could say our Lord, we could say a lot of things, but we only say father. But other than that, everything in there is what Islam is all about. In fact, the statement, if I want to translate the word Islam to English, I go to that verse and I say, do God's will on earth as it is in heaven. That's the best way to give the word Islam to somebody that understands Christianity. So, I'm going to ask again. Now, is there anybody here that doesn't believe that people should do God's will on earth as it is in heaven? So, you're great. Alhamdulillah. The statement, La ilaha illallah, there is none worthy of your worship, of your trust, of your thanksgiving, of your supplication, other than Him. He's the one that's all that's due to. All, in, in Islam is saying it all. It can't be 90%, 99.9%. It has to be all of your heart for Him. All of your energy for Him. All of your devotion has to be for Him. Anybody disagree with that? I was kind of hoping somebody would. But you guys are too smart for me. That's why it's called a university, right? Well, the teaching in Mark, if you have a Bible, look at Mark chapter 12, verse 29. They asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? You got it? You're looking at it? Can you see it? What's the greatest commandment according to your, your version of the Bible? Well, that's that. That's good. I want to elaborate on it later, but I'd rather you keep going because I like I like the way you're reading it. By the way, what's your name? Robert. Come here, Robert. Come here. You know where I'm from in Texas. We would change his name immediately to Bobby. They would do that. Bobby Joe. Robert, it's nice to meet you, sir. I want you to be close to the microphone so that people can hear you. Read it again. Read it again. Jesus answered, The most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. No other commandment greater than these. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry, Robert. You did good. What do you think? A? Give him an A. Thank you, Robert. That's beautiful. You know why? That's the same thing Islam teaches. On this one, I don't even have to talk about the word father because it doesn't say father. said... The Lord your God is one Lord. Now I'll elaborate on that. One. Clearly one. Just in case you got mixed up in the count. One. 
And then he tells you what's your relationship. Your relationship is one of what? Surrendering, submission, obedience, sincerity, and peace with your Lord by giving all of your strength and all of your might and all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind over to Him and not 99% all of it. I'm elaborating on it. For Obviously, this is not the, the text, but it's elaboration. And does it make sense? Muslims, I'm asking you, does it make sense? Is that what we're taught? Yes or no? Christians, is that what we're taught? Yes or no? And then it continues, it says, and I give you a commandment like it, that you love your neighbor. Does it say neighbor or brother? Neighbor. Neighbor as yourself. Yes? And there's no commandment greater than these. Now, did Jesus add a new commandment when he said that? Does anybody know? When he added this about the loving your neighbor or uh, like yourself? Huh? Was that new? No. It comes out of the same place the other... Because the whole thing is a quote out of the book of Deuteronomy. The whole entire statement is a quote from the book of Deuteronomy. This proves to us as Muslims that the message from Jesus is the same message as it was to the Jews because he quoted it from Deuteronomy. It's the same message as it is to the Muslims today because we just got to breaking all the words down from Arabic. There is no difference in the teaching. Where the difference comes in is in the way that people interpret and assimilate and practice what they understood. So the message from Jesus is La ilaha illallah. None worthy to worship except Allah. With all your strength, all your might, do what He wants you to do. His terms. This is the way we understand it. We ask Allah to give us understanding. We ask Allah to give us truth. Give us light. Open our hearts and our minds to this true message of Jesus and of all of his prophets. Because according to the Quran, every prophet brought the same message. No different. And we make no distinction between any of the prophets. Allah guide us and save us and give us his Jannah. Ameen. You can say Ameen.